Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. The last three years have been a journey for my wife and I. Um, It's not easy leaving a church that you've been a part of for 30 years and try, try to find a new faith home. Like I said, it's been a journey, and I believe that the journey is done. I think Pat and I have found our home here at New Life. Um, I thank you for, for loving us and accepting us, and I thank Glenn for giving me this opportunity. I hope that you enjoy what I have to say as much as I'm going to enjoy saying it. I have to confess to you that, oh, a couple of months ago, maybe longer, I'm not sure, um, we were getting ready to start the service, and and Tracy was praying for Glenn and praying for the service, and she began to speak about the inner man and having the eyes of the inner man enlightened. And for the next 45 minutes during Glenn's sermon, all I could do is sit there and, and jot down what I think Tracy meant by that. So that's what you're going to get today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 15. So as you're finding that scripture, if you have your Bible, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can gather around your word to open our hearts and our minds to it, to allow it to come in and and to transform us, to make us more like Jesus Christ. And I pray that that will happen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. One day a man passed by a ranch and he saw a beautiful horse. And hoping to buy the animal, he said to the rancher, I think your horse looks pretty good. I'll give you $500. The rancher said, he doesn't look good and he's not for sale. The man insisted, no, he looks good and I'll give you $1,000 for that horse. The rancher again replied, he doesn't look good, but if you want him that much, He's yours. The next day, the man came back just madder than a wet hen. And he went up to the rancher and he screamed, You sold me a blind horse. You cheated me. And the rancher calmly replied, I told you he didn't look so good, didn't I? <laughs> Let's talk about vision. How's your eyesight? There are many in the audience today that have, have these on. To correct your eyesight. How's your spiritual eyesight? Do you see the things of God? Let's read the scripture. Um, Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 15. And this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul's to his, his church, his people. 
in Ephesus, and by extension, folks, to all of us. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Listen to those words, folks. Another version reads this way. The eyes of your heart being enlightened. And either way is acceptable. Um, again, like I said in Sunday school, there's a theology lesson inside of this. But my intent is not to teach theology this morning. My intent is for us to understand what this passage is saying. The eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding, God wants us to see with new eyes. To see in a way we haven't seen before. To see inside his truth. Some years ago, we took my father to the eye doctor. God bless his soul. My dad's home in heaven now. But my dad was famous for being, dare I say, stubborn. We took him to the eye doctor, and by this time, he's in his 80s. And he gets his eyes checked. He gets his prescription. And my little brother's talking to the eye doctor. And in the conversation, the eye doctor asked my brother, Tim, does he drive? Because he's nearly blind. He shouldn't be driving. My dad overheard that. And to the day he died, he refused to wear those glasses because he was so mad that the eye doctor said that about him. Huh. I went to the eye doctor two months ago, maybe longer. And I got these. And I took them back and I said, they're not right. They haven't helped my vision. My old glasses work better than these. And they rechecked my eyes. They, they actually sent these back and had new lenses ground for them. And I put them on. I guess you know whose son I am. <laughs> we find in Ephesians 1.18... An interesting phrase, the eyes of the heart or understanding be enlightened. Folks, this is referring to the inner man, the spiritual man. And I believe that, that we have the ability to see, to hear, and to understand the word of God. Um, I still do and have used a study Bible for many, many years, but lately... I have started carrying just a little Bible with no notes in it because I really believe with, and, and there's nothing wrong with study Bibles. Believe me, I love them. 
but I want to challenge myself to see God's word on my own. With the, and let me define that. On my own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. The inner man has spiritual senses. Did you know that? And it's more than just sight. Um, of course, sight. Psalm 119, verse 18, the, the psalmist wrote, Open my eyes so that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. We have the ability to look at the word and to see wonderful things out of it. We have the sense of spiritual hearing. Matthew 13, 9. Jesus, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said that so many times in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Are our ears open as well as our eyes? We have a spiritual sense of taste. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Dare I say that the Lord is delicious? Um, the word says that his word is like honey. I don't know about you, but I love honey. Don't, don't you just love honey? Let me tell you what I do. I love candy coffee. Anybody here else love candy coffee? That's, that's candy with a lot of sugar and stuff in it. You know, like you go to, to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte. I put honey and cream in my coffee. Forget sugar. Try it with honey. It'll change your life. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Smell. We have a spiritual sense of smell. Um, Philippians 4.18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. Listen, folks, when we sacrifice for the Lord, when we give to the Lord, when we do things for the Lord, it creates this aroma. Spiritual senses. And then we come to Matthew 13, which I think is interesting. Do you understand the, the parables and and why Jesus taught in parables? It's, it's interesting to me that Jesus came... And he was pretty straightforward for a while. You know, he was one of those guys, I'm going to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. But then there came a point in his ministry where people weren't listening. And he wanted to see who was listening, who really wanted to hear, who was really interested in what he had to say. And he began to speak in parables. And this is why. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, Hearing you shall hear, and by no means understand. And seeing you shall see, and by no means perceive. He wanted to find out who the true disciples were. Who were the people that were really interested in what Jesus had to say? And I have to ask that about us. Are you interested in what Jesus has to say? How willing are you to, to dig into the scriptures and say, Lord, 
I want to hear something for you today. I don't know how often you read your Bible. I would highly recommend daily. And that when you sit down with the Bible, start with this prayer. God, show me wonderful things from your word. Lord, teach me today. The inability to see and understand spiritual things, folks, is not the fault of the intelligence, but of the heart. Listen, we want to plant God's word here. I know God's word. I've memorized God's word. I can recite God's word, but have I planted it here? This is where it makes a difference. There's... It occurs to me that there's a verse that Paul wrote, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And that describes so many Christians. And I hope it does not describe anybody in this room. Our eyes, the eyes of our hearts need to be open. They need to be enlightened. And specifically, this happens through the Holy Spirit. Let me show you. Isaiah 11.2 says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Where do all of those things come? They come from the Spirit. John 14.25, I have spoken these things to you, being present with you, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. And on and on it goes. <clears throat> Let me just add one more to that. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Think with me to Acts chapter 9. Here you have a guy named Saul who's breathing out hate and threats against Christians. And he's got letters from the synagogue to go and to arrest Christians wherever he can find them and to bring them chained back to Jerusalem to be tried for the high crime of blasphemy. And he's on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden he's on this horse and all of a sudden there's this blinding light from heaven and knocks him off the horse and then a voice speaks to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? What? The goads? Do you ever wonder about goads? Well, you're all either farmers or ranchers. You know what goads are. So we're at a, a pastor's thing, and, and the pastors of the area down there are going to have a wild cow riding. All the pastors have to ride a wild cow. What I didn't know is they have these cows penned up, and there's Roy Hill. And before they open the gate, or as they open the gate, he's got an electric cattle goad. And he hits that cow, and that cow comes out snorting and mad as the dickens. And we have to catch it and ride it. That's what a cattle goad does. i got to tell you, though, my wife was praying for my cow. 
When we did catch it, hit, listen, here's my job. Put your fingers in its nose and grab its ear, right? So, and the, you know what that silly cow did? It lay down on the ground. We put the saddle on it, and it would not get up. <laughs> Victory. Victory in Jesus. Paul knocked off that horse. He's blinded. But listen, folks, when his sight was restored, he saw with new eyes. He saw in a whole different way. He saw things spiritually. He saw things with the truth. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is sound or healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is evil, your whole body will be dark. I want eyes that are open, folks. I want eyes that are healthy. I want eyes that see. So God's light came, and and this light on Paul was just so intense. And sometimes, folks, God's light comes on us when it's so intense. I have a, a snotty little Australian shepherd, and he requires at least two walks a day. So what do you do when it's sunny outside? Well, I'll tell you what I do. My, my glasses automatically become darker. But what does Pat do when it's too sunny outside? She puts on sunglasses. What do you do when God's light is too bright? And might I suggest to you that there are times when all of us, when God's trying to shine a light in our eyes and we don't want to see it, we shade it. God, I'm not ready for that yet. Folks, take the sunglasses off. Let God enlighten the eyes of your heart to see wonderful things in his word. We all have spiritual dark spots, don't we? I mean, I got saved over 50 years ago. And I came to the Lord, and and there reached a point where it's like, okay, God, I've given up almost all of my bad habits. What more do you expect from me? And we we keep these little things, right? These, These are the acceptable sins. Now, I don't know what yours are, but... Mine, one of the ones that I really struggled with is, is I don't abide arguments. If you argue with me, you're probably wrong. So when Pat would argue with me, <laughs> oh, this is so embarrassing. Because she was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you understand that's a joke. When when she argued with me, I would immediately be angry with her because I don't abide wrongness. Wow. As I stand up here, do you you believe that that's the way I was? And I say was because God has enlightened that part. Not that I never get mad anymore, but it gets less and less because my eyes have been enlightened. 
This morning, I'm saying that we need to remove the shades from our eyes. We need to allow God to enlighten the eyes of our hearts. And I want to look at three things that I believe God wants us to see with our spiritual eyes. There may be many more than these three things, but these three things are found in this passage right here. So let's talk about them. The first one is the hope of our calling. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. Everyone needs hope. Life requires hope. When I was working on my my counseling degree, I was required to read a book that was written by Viktor Frankl. Anybody ever hear of Viktor Frankl? My wife has, only because I have undated her with this kind of stuff. Um, Viktor Frankl was a German-Jewish psychiatrist who was arrested during the Holocaust, sent to a, a Nazi concentration camp, and during his stay there, he feels that the only thing that helped him to survive was hope. And when he, and it got him through, and when he came out, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And the basis of the book is that we all need hope. To survive, we need hope. God knows that. God knows that we need hope. We have the hope of our calling. When we lose hope, life loses meaning. You know, there are kids that get straight F's who hope to graduate. There are kids who get straight A's. They hope to graduate. (laughs) Which of the two is going to have, have hope realized? Christians of all people, folks, should have hope. Not only for this life, but for eternity. Hope gives us strength and purpose in life. It gives us it gives us a toughness to endure the trials and struggles of life. You know, let's face it, if you're not in a struggle right now, if you're not in a trial right now, praise God, but you're coming to one real quick. The question is not when it comes or if it comes, the question is when it comes. Do you have hope? In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul lists hope as one of three great necessities of the Christian life. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest, that passage tells us. We know that faith is supremely important. But folks, let's not neglect hope. We need all three. We need love, faith, and hope. We have the promises of God to give us hope. Listen to this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why do we have no hope? He will deliver me from all my fears. Why do we have no hope? God is my refuge and my strength. God will not let me tempted beyond what he is able, he is able to guide me through. Ephesians 4, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. What is the hope of your calling? What is the hope of your calling? The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard in the word of the truth of the gospel. 
That's our hope, folks. Eternity. You know, I hope for all kinds of things in life. Um, I hope for a good cheeseburger at least, you know, three or four times a week. I'm sorry, I'm a simple man. You give me a cheeseburger and I'm happy. It's just that simple. I, I, hope that, I hope that I have a nice pickup to drive. I've got one. We have all kinds of hopes. And God says, the only thing you need is the hope of eternity. All of this other stuff is, is passing, folks. It's not permanent. The second thing is the riches of our glorious inheritance. In him, also, we have obtained an inheritance. That's verse 11 of the same chapter. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Above and beyond anything we might get in this life. Cheeseburgers and pickups and pizzas and milkshakes and, and pretty wives. Above any of that is our inheritance, eternity with God. We get attached to this life, don't we? We like it. We have fun. And when life's good, it is really good. The thing is, is God says there's something better coming. Do you know that? There is something better coming. We start having so much fun here and now we forget about heaven. And that should never be. I had a friend, an older friend, much older friend, that he was in Yuma Hospital and he was dying. And I wasn't there when this happened. His, his oldest son was with him. And the doctor came in and told him, you're, you're passing from life to death. And because this man knew where he was going, he looked at the doctor and he said, is there anything we can do to hurry this up? <laughs> that should be our, not that we should be suicidal folks, don't get me wrong here, but our attitude should be that, you know what? The best is yet to come. And the third thing is the matchless power that is available to us. This is where it really gets good. Um, Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in, again, the inner man. Have you ever noticed how Pastor Tracy always talks about the inner man? This is what we're talking about this morning. The inner man. The man of the spirit. That's where God does his work of strength in our lives. This is not according to human strength. You know why human strength is puny? Listen to me. I look down at this rail right here. 
And I see all of these young people. I'm 72 years old. Did you all know that? 72, that's pretty old. You know, I got a, was it pickles, Pat? That No, it was mustard, a jar of fancy mustard. And it was a gift to me, and, and I'm trying to get it open. And my granddaughter is sitting with us, and she says, here, Papa, let me do it. And you know what she did? She opened that jar. Whatever strength you guys and gals have right now, you're going to end up where I am. <laughs> the old keep getting older, but the young must do the same. The outer man is perishing. He's getting old. He has lost his strength. But the inner man is made new every day. What God wants us to do is to experience sanctification, to become more like Jesus Christ, to be transformed so that when we look in the mirror, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Sometimes I look in the mirror and I think, who in the dickens is that old guy? And I do my best to make that old guy look good. But when I want the inner guy to look good, I look into this mirror. Sanctification. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him, Jesus, in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Listen, this is the Apostle Paul. This is what he's hoping for. Not, and he goes on, not that I have already attained. Not that I've already attained. I'm working towards it. I'm getting better. Not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Huh. I wish that sanctification was a one-and-done deal. That you get saved, and all of a sudden now... Or as some denominations teach, that there is a second work of grace where you reach perfection. A, 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 a sense, a state of being sinless. Oh, that it were true. Huh. But sanctification happens in slow, sometimes painful increments. Growing is not without its own pains. They talk about growing pains. It's true. And they're true about the spiritual life as well. I want to be strengthened in my inner man, becoming more and more like Jesus all the time. It's a transformation. It's a metamorphosis. It's kind of a worm to a butterfly kind of thing. Let me end just with some random scriptures, but they're important. 
for whom he foreknew, that's you and me, folks, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's plan for us. He foreknew us to be conformed to the image of his son. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, our decision, holy, acceptable to God, which is your... And the New King James says, reasonable service. Um, I would amend that and say the word there in the Greek is logikos, of which we get the word logic from, which is our logical response to what Jesus has done for us. But then it goes on and it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And there's more. There's, there's so many other verses that I could read, but let's, let's just end with this. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, when we gaze into this mirror and take it serious and and see with enlightened eyes, God is going to change the inner man. He's going to transform us into the image of Christ. Um, As I'm closing, if the worship team had come up, How are your eyes? How's your eyesight? Do you need a new pair of glasses, some spiritual glasses? It is my contention that what God wants to do is he wants to heal the eyes of our heart. Whatever is lacking in in what they see, God wants to fix. He does want us to see wonderful things in his word. That would be my wish, my hope, my prayer for you. As Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, that would be my prayer for you, that your eyes, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Father, we thank you for what your word teaches us. Help us to see with these eyes that you talk about, the eyes of our heart. And help us to be changed into the image of your son, to be more like him every day, more like Jesus. And it's in his name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.